Mike Duncan Penberthy. <laughs> I never, I Four. never knew that. Yeah. Uh, I had to look it up, but you know you never dunked before. Yeah, uh, I did dunk a lot in high school, but not in the NBA. Okay. No zero dunks in the NBA. So. Well, you got enough. You got enough threes to make up for it. Yeah, I'll take three over two. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on the show. No problem. It's good to uh, to sit down a little bit. Definitely. Not uh, not many short white guys make it to the league, mm. and uh, I know that's a a story that we have to hear. But I do want people to know as we get started that greater than the mountain and the journey. You had to climb to get to succeed in your basketball journey is the love that you have for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a powerful testimony with involving this amazing journey during sports. Welcome to the Playing for Eternity podcast, working together to put God first in our game. Now, I've had the privilege of knowing you for a little while and you know, we, we hoop together, we play we played some golf together, and uh, man, I love when people ask you uh, about your Laker days because mm -hmm. you have some you have some amazing stories. <laughs> so now that I got the microphone, <laughs> I want to ask you uh, tell us about what it was like with with, with those uh, Laker teams. Yeah, I mean, that was I mean that was with Phil Jackson, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, you have. That's three of the greatest, you know, basketball people that ever lived. So, we're talking about, uh, you know, some historical figures to have been around, you know, and then Tex Winter, the inventor of the, of the triangle. So, in terms of, like, basketball history, you know, these are four, like, big-time people in, in their individual categories and three Hall of Famers. I think four now. I think they put Tex in as well. So... It was uh, an experience um, that's that's hard to explain. There are a lot of stories I can tell. There's a lot I can't tell. But uh, you know, you need, to, you need to write a book before uh, yeah. before you go. We'll, we'll, tell we'll publish it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, great, great times, great memories. Um, I'm still I still talk to all those guys. Actually, all three of those guys and uh, Rick Fox, Robert Ory, uh, Derek Fisher, Mark Madsen. You know, so I still I still see and talk to all those guys. Nice. Yeah. What was uh, who's your favorite teammate? Shaq by far. Shaq. Yeah, but he's my favorite teammate of all time. I mean, I played on a, on a number of teams professionally for eleven years. So, in the NBA, um, he was by far my favorite. I mean, he's just a big kid. You know, he doesn't want to do anything but laugh. Like he his. I mean, he wants to win, but he'd like to laugh along the way. You know, if he could have it both ways, he would have fun for three quarters, and then he would score twenty five in the fourth, and and yeah. we'd win. Yeah. You know, so that's that. That's part of what made him great. But he was by far the best teammate. That's cool. What was uh? What do you think made that team special? You know, winning the championship mm -hmm. and kind of the that. Well, surrendered. I think everybody surrendered to the triangle. You know, so um, you know Phil's vision for a system dominated team where the players bought in completely, I would say, was the, the key there. Mm. Um, it didn't become personal between anybody and Phil at that point, right? It's all about the system. So he could also defer and, and push any kind of conflict onto the system. Mm. So that allowed relationships to maintain, and then you became a rebel of the system mm. rather than a rebel against Phil. So um, you then, then it became acceptable for him to play guys like me who were high-skilled, high-intelligence, um, because I was I was surrendered to the system as well, so it was about what was best for the system and best for the team, and 
that team, and he's said it before, executed the triangle better than any other team he ever coached. So it was a full surrender. There was a lot of older guys, too, that maybe couldn't venture outside of those principles. But um, technically speaking, we had, we had a balance at every, every niche that's necessary to win in the NBA. We had great defense. We had great size. We had two dominant superstars. We had shooting. We had intelligence. We had um, buy-in mm-hmm. all the way. Um, and we had we had uh, great game plans. So it's a long season in the NBA. Um, you've got to be able to, to to understand that it's a journey and that you're going to trek slowly at times, and other times you're going to you're going to go too fast. But you don't want to move too quickly, and you don't want to move too slow. You want to kind of stay even keel. And then it, it isn't how many points you score; it's when you score them. And you know, again, that's more buying into that that idea. Yeah. So that obviously is one thing that I think made Phil great. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say? I mean, that just, because that was the next thing. I was just curious, like, you know, you played for a Mm -hmm. ton of coaches, but having Mm -hmm. someone like Phil Jackson, Mm -hmm. you think that was his biggest strength as a coach? Yeah, I mean, he understood the player, right? He understood his system, and he understood how to adapt his system to the player. You know, so... He adapted it to the Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen in that era with Rodman. He also adapted it without them. Mm-hmm. You know, Jordan didn't play with them. They still made the Eastern Conference Finals. But he brings Shaq in, which is a completely different piece that goes in there. And then you have Kobe, who's you know desired to want to just take the game at, at moments when it wasn't necessary, just wanting to show how good he really was. <laughs> you know, that was a, a challenge. You know, for him to be able to pull that back, and so. Um, you know, that's that the gift of Phil Jackson's gift was not only his knowledge of what was necessary, but understanding the pieces that went into it. And then the ability to communicate clearly on a daily basis, what those goals were. So everybody understood where we were going yeah, and that it was about the, it was about the team. Only it was said it was about the, t- the system. So in today's game, do you think one of the tougher things is for these coaches is having that respect of these guys to, to mm-hmm. get the buy-in? Yeah, buy-in is the number one thing. I mean, you got to have buy-in or, or your philosophy doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you know if they aren't going to listen to you. Yeah. Right? So uh, you, you're you're a leader only in that you have somebody following you. So if the players aren't <laughs> following you, guess what? You're not the leader. So yeah. it doesn't matter who the head coach is, assistant coach, other coaches, players. Like The team's going to follow whoever that leader is, and he emerges. Now, mm-hmm. it, it may be a guy that's in a different role, you know, um, but that team's going to follow and take on the, the the character traits of that leader. And, um, you know, Phil Jackson was an alpha, so it was easy to follow him. Yeah. Um, but there are other coaches in today's game that have a hard time with that. And um, it's not easy. You Just because you know what you're talking about doesn't mean the players are going to listen. So... Yeah, you gotta have some. You gotta have some credibility. Yeah, you you see that a lot. Yeah, I think that's what's amazing looking at at what Phil was able to do with all those uh, egos. Right. (laughs) Definitely. And and, you know, big big guys. You know, making millions of dollars and and superstars and Hall of Famers and stuff like that. What was uh, give us a little taste of what Kobe was like in a in a (laughs) a daily life? Yeah, I mean, I guarded him every day, so I saw him on a daily (laughs) basis, and he he wanted to he wanted to tear my heart out every day, you know. So he we he made me better. Uh, I don't think I made him better, but uh, <laughs> I think I think he made me better. And we we competed every day. I still yeah. have scars on my body from his yeah. from his days when he was frustrated or or just wanted to try to take it out of me. But I was a fighter, 
So he respected me. I wasn't going to let him do anything to me that wasn't that was uncalled for. He wasn't going to elbow me in the chest like Sasha Vujicic. You know, those yeah. videos. Like, yeah. If he had done that, I'd have punched him. So there was no – like on the basketball floor and in those team settings, it's a lot more physical and intense, I think, than most fans really understand. And I think there's fights all the time in those, in those settings. Maybe not so much anymore. The kids today now don't want to push those buttons. But if it could be almost me, he's getting punched. And, that, and then – once he realizes that, now he respects you, mm-hmm. and you you can actually build some cohesiveness. But he always wanted to test you and see if you were going to stand up to his his will and yeah. his strength on a daily basis. And if you weren't if you weren't willing to do that, then he wrote you off. Yeah. So yeah, um, that's by part of that team was the fact that we didn't give in to him, and we didn't let him take over and just dominate the team. We had too many guys. Ron Harper, Tyron Liu, I mean, a great leader nowadays, uh, Derek Fisher, you know, um, Brian Shaw, Greg Foster. Like, these are all vets, yeah. you know. So Kobe would try to, to try to influence the game, Robert Ory, those guys. Phil would say, I'm only going to play you unless you actually continue to run what we're doing. But if you bow down to him yeah. when he cries to you and yells at you and screams for the <laughs> ball and don't run our stuff, then guess what? I can't play you. So that was part of why our team was good because we didn't give in to him. But talent-wise, one of the, yeah. greatest, the greatest to ever walk yeah. the earth, you know. Yeah. Well, wow. just that perspective to to see kind of inside. We just look mm-hmm. at you know all we look at today. I think is the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. You know, when we look at that person and what they're able to do and athletic, and it mm-hmm. becomes so less individual. Even right. a team sport like basketball, which you and I have been around a lot, it's become so about the person. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at teams to be successful. One, you got to play defense, and right. two, you have to be a play of the team. Right, and absolutely. You just you just miss that because I think the skill level is you know you have some of these great stars, but it's probably not that different from the the team that's finishing mm-hmm. in tenth place. Yeah, you know, but the buy in and all mm-hmm. and and those type of things, and you know, the guys being young have a hard time buying into it. Coaches yeah. have a hard time kind of filtering through that. So take us back because I I'm I'm hoping you're going to share this story. Mm-hmm. Um, you're at Laker camp, mm-hmm. so you've been playing overseas. Yep. Before. Two years. Yep. yep. And now you're coming. You're in Laker camp. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to trying to reach that goal. Yeah. Tell us what that that journey was like. Trying to trying to make the make the squad. Well, I was. Um, I had to try out with the Lakers a number of times just to get into camp. So I played summer league uh, with Slam Magazine. They had a team in the LA summer league back when they had it at Long Beach. Yep. Um, now it's no longer there. It's it's in it's in Las Vegas, and they don't have a free agent division, which is where I came out of. So me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's amazing yeah. to think like oh, there's a lot of really good players that maybe don't get the opportunities, and um, you know I played in those. I played in multiple games just to jump on other teams just to try to get seen. Yeah. So it was pretty persistent. But I played right before the Lakers. They saw me play once. I had a really good game. Then they they came back the next day. They, the Lakers were playing at at five, and I was playing at three, so they just happened to see me again, and I played well again. And then they invited they invited uh, Tex winners to come watch me at a, at a practice down at uh, Hope University, and I played well there. And then the next day, Cupcheck come coming in to watch Mike play. So I, eventually, I got through everybody, and finally he came and watched me play. And they put me through a workout afterwards. I think I missed one shot out of ninety and. That, that was, I remember thinking through myself, like, if I don't make it after this, then I'm never playing basketball again because I just didn't miss. Yeah. I was making everything. And so it was one of those days where I was like, okay, this could all come together. Well, then they <laughs> go to training. I go thinking I'm going to training camp. It's another tryout. It's like mm-hmm. 30 more guys. And I'm like, man, I got to jump through these hoops. They took one player from that, and it was me. So 
I played really well those three days. I was living in the hotel right next door. And um, so Cupcheck came to me, and, and Mitch has always been great. We still have a great, a great relationship when I see him. He, he says, well, enjoy your week here. You've earned it. So I thought I had a week. Mm. So I told my wife, I was like, and she was home. And at that time, she actually called me. Actually, the next day after this happened, she called me and said she was pregnant. Mm. Well, now I got to make the team for sure because <laughs> I got a kid coming. No pressure. I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment, you know. And, you know, I was, she was working and making her 800 bucks a month. And I was refereeing just so I could practice. Yeah. So I'd practice nine hours a day. And then I'd go referee at night just to make my extra couple hundred so we could just survive. And we were just trying to make it, yeah. make it through. So I was sending home the meal money for us to pay bills. I wasn't even using it. I'd use it very sparingly in training camp. Taco anyway, Bell, pregame. Oh, whatever, <laughs> like Taco Bell, bagels, you know. I was yeah. just, anything I'd grab at the, the hotel that was free, I was just stockpiling. I mean, I was, it was unbelievable. So um, so Mitch said, you're, you're, enjoy your week here. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to shoot it every time. Like, I don't care. If I'm only getting a week here, yeah. I'm getting some shots up. Yeah. Well, I ended up making them. So that put me on the map with the team. They were like, we knew he was good. I learned the triangle in three days. I went back to my room and studied it. Picking up basketball concepts is not hard. I mean, first book I read was 10 best offenses versus own defense when I was like six. And my dad <laughs> taught me how, how to read the, all the stuff. So my dad was a coach. So I, I picked up – basketball concepts has been in my home since I was born. And um, so I like those kind of – like picking up the triangle was pretty easy for me, mm -hmm. even though there's 99 options in it. Um, you know, they, they flow and progress pretty easy. So I picked it up in like three days. I was ready to run it with the, with the main unit. So I got to play with the starters because I knew the offense, where other guys coming into the team didn't know it. Guys returning didn't want to practice, like Ron Harper and Brian Shaw. They were like, my knees are hurting. And since I knew it, they would always say, hey, Mike, jump in mm -hmm. for me. So, you know what I mean? So, like, I was prepared um, to, to be able to step into that spot. And then when Shaq and Kobe would throw it to me, I just had to make it. And then I became a guy that they wanted to have on the court because yeah. they could trust me. Yeah. So, yeah, crazy. Uh, that was a crazy first couple of weeks. Stressful. Yeah. You know, my first game I had 17 against, um, against uh, Charlotte. Thank you, Baron Davis and Hersey Hawkins. They made it. It was great. They didn't want to play. And I was like, yes, these guys don't want to play hard. I'm going to have a good game. And then, you know, I played against Mitch Richmond and Rod Strickland the next night in Washington. Had 14 points. And then so I had these be these good games to come out of the game. Yeah. That was the first yeah. one called in the game at Charlotte. And I, I thought he was calling somebody else. Phil was like, Mike, get in the game. And I'm like, who is he yelling at? And he's like, would you hurry up? And I'm like, me? Oh, I, I, I thought I would never play, yeah. you know, so. When I was thrown in there, uh, thankfully I made my shots. Yeah, you know, and I didn't screw up the offense. Yeah, no. well, man, I just think hearing that it's like you—you you were prepared. Yeah, you know, we go in thinking, oh, why not? Why me? You know right. that type of thing. I mean, you were obviously you were working hard, pursuing Great shape. that. I yeah. think you know there's some right timing, but you were you had your chance and you mm -hmm. were you were ready. Mm -hmm. So you got to tell us about you know the the posting up with Shaq. Mm -hmm. And he's clearing everybody out. Mm -hmm. You got you got to you got to share that story. That's great. Yeah, I mean, he was um, how he kind of you know he gravitated towards you. Yeah, we became close. I mean, my locker. You know, they put the rookies in in the Sparks locker room, so we couldn't even dress <laughs> with the, with the Lakers. So we they moved me to the Sparks locker room with Madsen and Medvedenko and a couple other rookies that were trying to make the team. And then um, after I played well in training camp, they moved me back in 
before everybody else. So I was, and I was noticed my locker was next to Shaq's, which, like, I mean, I only had half a locker because he's gigantic. <laughs> I mean, he takes up two lockers. His shoes are everywhere. I mean, everything's going. I'm so I'm always like pushing his stuff out of the way. <laughs> he's taking up half of mine and his. I mean, so. We became really close. The first day of training camp, I was standing there basically holding up the wall. I mean, there was there was nobody knew who I was. And they had already won the championship, so it was media day. Mm. Was the first day of camp. So I'm standing there with a jersey on, and everybody thinks like, who's the ball boy? <laughs> it's like jersey day, like, you know, yeah. make a wish day for this guy. It's congratulations, you know. <laughs> so nobody thought like I was anybody. And so I didn't get asked any questions. A couple of guys were like, Who are you? You know, like reporters. Yeah. But Shaq knew about me because he had, he had asked, you know, who's coming into camp, who we got, do we have any shooters? And so he pointed at me across across the whole gym. I mean, and, and they have it set up where around the gym, every player has their own booth, right? Mm -hmm. So the reporters just go around because, you know, we won the championship. So yeah. national championship, national, I mean, the NBA national champion, like the whole, the whole world's coming. Yeah. Japanese. Yeah, it's the Lakers. Know, it's too, the Lakers yeah. too. So it's, it's an absolute zoo. He points at me and calls me over, and the sea of reporters open so I can walk through it. <laughs> like right? a movie scene. And I was like, and as I got closer to him, like he's up a little higher on top of it. I mean, he's Jake, I mean, he's already 7'3. He's like any bigger, I mean, he's Goliath. So I'm staring up at him, and he reaches down and he says, I'm glad you're here. And he shakes my hand. My arm's just swallowed. Like my hand just disappears. <laughs> I'm nervous, like, don't break my hand. You know, and he just uh he says, I'm glad you're here. I need shooters, you know, so I'm glad you're here. That's cool. So that kind of calmed me down. It didn't, it didn't make the pressure go away, you know, when yeah. he threw the ball to me. Because when yeah. he throws the ball to you, I mean, I know now, and having been in that role on the other side, like when I was the best player on the team in Europe and stuff, I would pass the ball to the young guy. You know, he, he wants to make it. when I And I want him to make it because I want to be able to trust him. Yeah. Or I'm just going to keep it. Yeah. You know, I don't need to pass it to you. Yeah. So. Shaq was probably saying the same, same thing. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I'm going to limit my passes. Yeah. This sucker better make it. And yeah. so, you know, thank God it it, uh, it went in. But, yeah, he and I became close. He was uh, he was a lot of fun. We ate, yeah. we ate meals on the road together constantly. We both liked club sandwiches. He would order two. I would order one. <laughs> He'd be like two sprites for me, one for him. The great thing about Shaq was he would hand $100 to the lady up front. Mm. And he would say, hey, um. Uh, if you bring the food back here in, five, in less than five minutes, I'll give you another hundred bucks. Not one time did the food show up after five minutes. I mean, we got our food like that. Yeah. So he would drop hundred and then a hundred. He'd tip him two hundred bucks for club sandwiches. You know, that's cool. that happened often. He was a, cool. he was a generous guy, really yeah. a good person. Yeah, no more bagels when you're hanging out with Shaq. No, no more bagels. A lot of steak and ribs. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, basically whatever I wanted. You know, he was. Yeah, that's cool. He wanted to make sure he that's took great. care of everybody. Now, I know you had, uh, obviously, you know, sharing about the, the highlights, but mm -hmm. I know there was some, uh, you know, some tough times in there. Mm -hmm. I think you had some injuries, mm -hmm. you know, going through that. What, how did you get through all that? I mean, what was your continued goal? I mean, you don't look at many 6'2", six, 6'3", six, mm -hmm. white guys, mm -hmm. not the most athletic. Mm -hmm. yeah. Don't worry, I fall in that category, too, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not discriscriminating. No, but I mean, what, um, what, how did you get through that? What was the drive that kept you, that kept you going? Well, I just believed in myself. I mean, I believe... My dad told me when I was young, you know, God's made you special. There's something out there for you. So I always believed it. Sports always came easy for me. I was great at baseball. I could have played pro. I chose not to. I went to play college, college basketball at Masters. I could have 
played anything. Tennis was easy for me. Golf was easy for me. I think things, sports and hand-eye coordination is easy. That's a gift. So my dad recognized at a young age. He played pro baseball with the Cardinals. So he had seen the pro game, and he knew. He thought I was going to go that route, you know. Um, so, but sports was always easy for me, and I it always I always picked up pretty quickly. So, um, but persevere. Like I always knew, I always believed God had something special for me. So when I would get in those tough times where I tore my hamstring in the Pacers camp, and I was starting for them in the summer league, like. I thought that was my end. Larry Bird called me as soon as I wasn't drafted and said, hey, come play for us. I go there to my idol, Larry Bird at the time. You know, I'm thinking this is my chance. And I tear my hamstring. I mean, popped it. I was done sitting. I was working in a warehouse after that, you know, because I couldn't, I couldn't run. I couldn't even practice. So I had to say no to Phil Jackson in 97, which that role would have been a world championship team mm -hmm. because I missed out on that because of my hamstring. So... You know, when you're going through that and you're questioning, man, are you serious about this? Like, really, Lord? Like, this is what you want me to do? And I, so many people said, hey, you know, it's time to hang it up, man. Like, and I would get a call and invite to play, and I would just, okay, I'm going to go play in the CBA. You know, I'm going to go play in second division Germany, which is, you know, like the YMCA. It's, you know, awful. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it was having to just believe that, okay, Lord, I'm just going to just keep stepping through this door. This is what you have for me. I didn't have anything really stress about in terms of our family. My wife was unbelievably supportive and mm -hmm. like, let's roll. I'll go to Germany with you. We'll, we'll duke it out over there. So we went to Venezuela and played. I mean, I was just a mercenary for a couple of years, but I also developed as a player. Like I was a super, super skilled player and I became more of a, an individual one-on-one -on -one player. So my, my game grew as I got older and your skill set always grows in basketball. Your, your athleticism shrinks. There's a ceiling there, but the ceiling, yeah. it never ends in skills, right? Yeah. So that's why people can golf till they're 50, because it's a skill game. It's not yeah. an athleticism thing. So basketball is the same way. A lot of these older guys are doing it. Vince Carter's still doing it. His athleticism has dropped, but his skill set's up. Mm -hmm. So my skill set just kept getting better, and I kept working seven, eight hours a day at it. So at that, when I came out of that after an injury, being cut, not making teams, cut from the CBA, like, what, you know, what are we doing? Second Division Germany. Venezuela, playing in Caracas, you know, that's, that's a constant just belief that, okay, Lord, you're going you're gonna to change this. You're going to make it real clear to me that we're done mm -hmm. or there's something more for me. So I'm going to have to just keep pushing through. And no matter what anybody else says, my wife's on board. You know, I mean, yeah. we're, we're now married, and she, would, she better tell me, like, it's time to, <laughs> time to shut her down. Yeah. Um, when I made the Lakers, I told her, this is my last, this is my last go. So, like, if I don't make it here, I'm, I'm not doing this. And that was my third year as a pro. So, she was like, fine, you know, let's do it. And, I, and you know, it was, it was against all odds. I mean, there weren't many, yeah. many my parents. And, I, don't, I mean, I don't know of my relatives. I never heard them say anything. But I would assume they're like, well, it'll be fun. You know, yeah. maybe he'll make it. But uh, nobody that I knew. My coach in college, Bill Oates, believed in me, you know. And... Um, he saw me at my best, and, and he believed it. John Wooden told me I played in the NBA when I met him. He saw me practice, and he said, I was 19, and he wow. said, I think you got a chance to play in the NBA. I think you're going to make it. And I was like, okay. So you see what I mean? Like, there, yeah. were, there were little signs yeah. along the way. Yeah. NBA camps, playing against NBA players. Yeah. Ty said, and you played against them in the summer league. You know, you should be in the NBA. You're good. You know, like, so there was, like, these pieces of, like, 
okay, this, there's something here, yeah. you know, what do you have? And yeah. so there's an absolute, just a real trust that I believe in God and I believe he's real and I believe he did have a plan and I just had to trust and just work towards yeah. that. And if the door shuts, he's going to shut it. Yeah. Uh, that, that, I think that's good for people to hear. I mean, you, you want to keep fighting mm -hmm. through that. Um, doesn't mean we're all going to play in the NBA. No. I have a similar journey. Mine never ended up in the NBA. Mm -hmm. um, but I look at that and the things that God pre was preparing me for, mm -hmm. you know, and now where he's put you and mm -hmm. around still in the game, mm -hmm. affecting so many people, having that, um, like we talk about Phil, having that these guys have respect. They, mm -hmm. they look up to you. They know what you've been able to do. You're, you're a world champion, a mm -hmm. Laker. I mean, there's, there's so much that God was doing in that time. Mm -hmm. Looking back, I think this is amazing. Yeah. And I think we can get discouraged. Like I know for a long time, I am, you know, I had NBA dreams, mm -hmm. you know, bounced around and, and never made it. But looking back, right. Not that I wish I didn't, I still wish I would have made it. That, that's right. still a dream. Right. But <clears throat> what happened through that has created uh, my ministry and my passion to, mm -hmm. to help people own their faith through sports. Mm -hmm. So a similar, you know, again, I think we, we don't need to look at those valleys that we're in as sometimes, right. you know, the popped hamstring or <laughs> whatever mm -hmm. it is in a, in a work life or family life. You know, if, if we stay focused on God, I think those, those things are going to come back around as, as beneficial. Sure. Now, I've seen you play. I've seen some tape. And I think, uh, you know, you had to work obviously hard to get where you're at, but I think mm -hmm. you also, the way you play, you had this scrappy, just no holds barred. I mean, talk about the way you, you competed with Kobe. Yeah. Tell me, how'd you own, how'd you own your faith through all that? Cause it's set, you know, there's, there's such this line. Like, mm -hmm. I think if, if we were to look at not know Mike and look at him on the court, be like, man, that guy, he's, he's, he's got a screw loose. Mm -hmm. You know, I think you played yeah. with that edge. How, how mm -hmm. was, how'd you balance that with, with kind of owning your faith and Hey, I got it. This is the way mm -hmm. I need to play to, to be effective. Yeah. Good question. Um, well, there were times when I didn't do it well. And, you know, there's, I, I think, um, when I think back to it, I mean, there are times when you obviously, when you, when you play at that level from, for a guy like me and for all the NBA players, really, when everybody raises their game, it, it is a little bit crazy. I mean, there's an element of, of physicality with no pads that you've got to be able to push through. There's scratching and bleeding and banging and bumping. And so there's, there's a, there's a mental and physical toughness that has to be in there. And there's a there's a desire to want to take somebody out if you have to. Now, it's a game. It's not life, mm -hmm. you know. So, to be able to walk off those lines and know that I'm not, I don't need to do anything. It, it all stayed on the floor. Like that was pushed to me at a young age. So, um, when you walk on the floor, and um, most of my life, I would say eighty percent of my life as a basketball player, when I walked on the floor. The comment was, I'll guard this little blankety blank white boy. So there was never a instant respect. Mm -hmm. And it happened even in my ninth year in Europe where I'll take this little blankety blank white guy. So not hard to have a chip on your shoulder. Somebody yeah. said it to me, I'm guess what? I'm gonna score on you. You're gonna remember this blankety blank white boy. <laughs> and you might end up on the ground the yeah. whole game. Yeah. Got no problem with that. So it raises your intensity to a point where I didn't have any problem trying to hurt you. No problem. It's part of the game. And if you don't make it, you don't make it out, that's your problem. So, <laughs> but I'm still going to, I'm still going to do what I can to win. And, and, uh, so it, it was, it, when you, 
it's hard. It's again, this is hard to explain that, but like that's, I didn't feel like I was crossing any lines because it was a game. Mm. Um, and that was that was told to me. I remember playing. I remember having a hard time my freshman year, in in college with that battle, you know. Yeah. And um, the only way I was going to um, be able to compete with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength for the Lord, it was going to have to be all in. And then I was going to just mature as a person. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, uh, you know, John MacArthur was our president of our school. I remember he called me to his house and he said, I see you're struggling a little bit. Because there were games when I'd play 35 points. And the next game I'd have like 10. Mm-hmm. And I would think, well, I'm just going to pass to everybody and be a servant, you know. And I'm going to be <laughs> humble. And I'm going to just, you know, love everybody, you know. And I would have these, like, pathetic games. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Mike, it's a game. Like, just compete as hard as you can. And as I got older, I learned that basketball was a, was a form of worship to God for me. So that changed that, that pursuit as well, was that God created basketball for me and him to grow me closer to him, not to pull me away from him. Mm-hmm. So there was a competitiveness there. Like I said, there were times when I felt like, okay, I, should, I crossed the line here. Mm-hmm. But there was never a feeling like, um, unless I went intentionally or I said something, you know, trash talked. Because trash talk was part of the game when I grew up. It's not now. Nobody trash talks anymore. But that was a part of the mental edge that you played with. Mm-hmm. And um, you could say some things that were, you know, borderline crazy. And, and to have them said back. And you're having these conversations with Gary Payton and referees. and like that. I mean, It's just, you know, the, the, what you can imagine could go on there that is said at the highest and worst possible thing. Those things are being said. And how do you navigate that and not cross a line? I didn't learn later until later in life that, you know, basketball was there, not so that I can make God known. He doesn't mm-hmm. need my help with that. There's billions of things around the world, galaxies, stars. He doesn't need me to help with that. He made it for us, for me and him. And I'm going to grow closer to him through basketball. When I saw that, my game elevated. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the game more. I, I did grow closer to the Lord. I got to know him better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to see it in that perspective. Interesting. I uh, I hadn't heard you heard you share that be- before. I don't know if I heard that at all that perspective, but I, I like that 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 is that's something that uh, is drawing us near because uh, sports is a great way. And this is what I always share uh, with people about youth sports is it gives kids a chance to fail, mm-hmm. and we just don't have that enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we're the the coddling, and you know, I think. And it's not only the failure, but it's how we respond to that, mm-hmm. you know. And I think having God as part of that, because, like you said, I, I don't want anyone to miss that. Like you made mistakes, oh, you know. Gosh, like the, yeah. there's there's no doubt. Like we can no love question. the Lord. You get between the lines, and no man, question. okay, I went too far with that. Yep. I shouldn't, you know. No question. I shouldn't get into it with Gary Payton, you know. Yeah. <laughs> with <laughs> that anybody. type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that that's a that's a great a great perspective to to look at it as a game. And I think. You know, people that know you off the court, obviously, is that, you know, you're right. sometimes can be a different person. Right. I think that can be hard for celebrities, professional athletes, because we see this persona that the television mm-hmm. gives us. Mm-hmm. It's not who, who we really are. For sure. Um, but I think social media, in a way, has helped a lot in that mm-hmm. because you get to see behind the scenes good point. how popular sports are. I mean, the NBA is more popular in the offseason now than it is <laughs> right. during the season because all the drama and different things that unfold. and. Right getting to know the person. So I think that, I think that helps in today's game, getting to know somebody just like just here in your heart now, mm-hmm. uh, is great. So I know you're, you're 
journey has obviously been a, a roller coaster, you know, mm-hmm. some NAIA college ball, you know, you, you make the NBA, you win a title with the Lakers, you know, you get, you get cut, you're mm-hmm. playing in Italy. Uh, now you're back coaching in the NBA. So really a roller coaster. But as you look back on this, uh, on your basketball, I know there's a, a testimony that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And so often we look at Mike Penberth and we've been talking about Mike Penberth, the basketball player. Mm-hmm. But who who came along? Who was the person or persons that came along and was really that kind of mentor, discipleship, and help you with that owning your faith in your games? It really mm-hmm. sounds like you you took that serious. It's something you thought about. Yeah, yeah. Who was that person? Um, well, it started with my father. I mean, he was a pastor's kid, basketball coach, teacher. You know, so he came out of the of the church. So my mom was, you know, that's where the name Duncan comes from. It's her maiden name. So. Okay. And he actually started the Masters College, so that was that was kind of his, you know, uh, gift to the world. Was he mm. started? It was Elliott Baptist College, and I turned to Masters when he moved on. But he, um, you know, I grew up as in the Christian home, so um, for me, my father and mother instilled in me just the importance of daily time in the Word, mm-hmm. daily prayer, uh, making it you know, a discipline in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that started there. That was the foundation from, from there. After that, um, a guy named Ashley Noel um, became uh, a, a very important person in terms of the perspective of worship to God mm-hmm. and that Christ is your all-satisfying all person that you are pursuing. Nothing else matters because I had reached the top of the mountain with the NBA and I wasn't satisfied. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel anything because the next day I had to go make the team didn't matter the ring what's the ring mean nothing I got a ring it's nice it's great but I ain't I still got to make the team that ain't gonna pay the bills I ain't gonna you know move on I'm 25 years old with a ring you know NBA championship ring so I reached the goals but you're at the top of the mountain and there's nothing there and I remember just thinking okay Christ is everything I need and now I got to pursue that and then I bumped into this guy Ash and he he changed everything for me, just understanding that God doesn't need me to make him. God needs you. He wants you, Mike. That's who he wants. And he doesn't want anything but you. He already knows about your gifts. He already knows all that. He wants you. And he wants the pain in your mm-hmm. life that you talked about. I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think there's anything. There's no growth without pain. Mm-hmm. None of that. And there was a ton of pain in my life. We, you know, all, all those years, there's more. But my dad passed away that you know, the year after I made the Lakers and won the championship. So, you know, you're going through difficulty. There, there's only pain. There's soreness in everything in life. That's a, that was the life of Christ, right? I mean, the perfect model is Christ. He, what happened? He ended up having to die. There's pain there, you know, in order to have that blessing. So I always get a little nervous when, I'm, when I'm, things are going well because I'm thinking, okay, so there's some pain coming here because mm-hmm. that's how you grow in yeah. life. And um, so... My father, my mother, and then this guy Ash really helped me, and he he threw these questions on me. And I'm I'm big into philosophy and thinking and theology. That was my major was Bible exposition. So I would read. I still read. You know a lot of the the great thinkers and and study that. And Ash came out of that. He was a a fellow at Oxford, and so we had some. He would say, "Why do you play basketball?" Hmm. And now I'm like, my head's spinning. Well, to to glorify God, no. He'd just go, no. I'd be like, okay. And it would take me, you know, it would take me months to come up with an answer. So 
you know, we would just work through that, and he became a big influence in my life. That's cool. And Ash, Ash couldn't shoot a three to save his life, I bet. No, he could swim in a pool, and he, could, he couldn't throw <laughs> a ball anywhere near a basket. Yeah, yeah. Wrong. Well, that's great, and had a big impact on somebody who's spent his, his life around basketball. That's mm-hmm. cool. Um, so as you look back, I mean, you, you know, obviously saved at a young age and grew up in a Christian home and that, um, how far you've come probably in your, your personal walk. We, we've heard a little of that. Mm-hmm. Um, was there anything else that, that really, I mean, it sounds like basketball and a few of these people in your life, anything else that really kind of had a, a big impact in you growing mm-hmm. closer to the Lord and, and just that journey that, that you've been on with, with God? Yeah. I mean, Having kids, you know, changes your perspective on God. You understand what it means that he's your father. Because mm. um, you get what he sees in you, you see in your kids. So you know? good, yeah. So um, I see God differently because I have kids. Uh, being married and, and figuring out how to work and love and sacrifice and give of myself and die to myself. Yeah. Like, how do you yeah. die to yourself, you yeah. know, when... When the world maybe has put you on a pedestal, but you come home, you guess what? You better. It don't matter. Yeah. yeah. She don't care. She knows everything about you. So, um, that's a big part of it. Um, uh, my Bible major in college was a huge part of that. Mm. There's a knowledge there that's necessary, I think, to grow, and an understanding of how it works and who Christ is, and the pursuit of that is important. Yeah. Daily podcasts now. <laughs> that's yeah. what I listen to. I listen to. John Piper and Francis Chan and Matt Chandler and and uh, Ravi Zacharias and R.C. Yeah. Sproul. So I have podcasts on a daily basis because my schedule can be crazy. With yeah. sometimes I don't make it to church, but you know, po- thank God for podcasts and YouTube. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so those are big influences in my life currently. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you you hit on that because I think it is not to to glance over, but you're still pursuing that. No question. Like we're talking about, you know, you today. But you're still pursuing the knowledge, the growth, and I think that's an important aspect. No matter where we're at, there's been that constant in your life. If mm-hmm. you realize that about yourself, but you know, hey, I'm 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 seeking, I'm growing, I'm learning, doing all that stuff, and uh, yeah, we're going through that. And how you know, like you said, how Christ, you would use the word sacrifice is what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with with family and mm-hmm. kids and all that, even your game. Mm-hmm. So am I gonna? Go hang out with my buddies, or am I going to go to bed early because I got to get a workout right. in the morning? You know, there's, right. you know, to, to be prepared for for what God has for you next, what's your next, whatever that dream is, whatever God's put on your heart. Mm. Uh, so important, so important. Uh, okay, so you've gone from player yeah. to coach. Right. Um, let's talk about current day a little bit. Yeah. So you're with the you you were uh, coaching with the actually let's go back to, to kind of your coaching because I think you were it's important to guys know like oh man he's in the NBA now he just he was a player and, and kind of now he's in the in the coach in the NBA that's not really how it went for you right you were doing a lot of personal training helping guys with their with their shot mm-hmm. um, walk us through kind of what that those couple years were like and then kind of really you know with the Timberwolves and now now with the Pelicans just just your niche and, and right. what what you've been what you've been doing with the coaching yeah it's uh... Player development. It's um, I mean, I I worked basically with the help of a couple of guys in terms of like steering me in certain directions in terms of player development, my own personal player development, and then I practiced you know eight nine hours a day. So everything I learned and built, I took Mike Pemberley, the no nobody out of high school, to an NBA championship team. Like there's a skill set that was developed there, and kept developing. So. 
you know, you, you, I would leave, I would shoot every day and I would leave, I wouldn't leave unless I made a hundred in a row. There's not many guys in the NBA that can do that now. So there's, there's very few. So that was, that was a normal day for me. So I worked to that point. So I, I just have now taken those daily disciplines and, mm. and now I'm putting them into NBA players. Now it started with kids. I started a little youth program and that was how I made my money by working kids out and, and youth. And so I started young. I was, I was training. I started when I was 16 working out, you know, 12 year old kids trying to figure out a way to get them to shoot the ball better. And then, so I learned how to teach and communicate and, and trial and error, you know, a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And so the, the breeding ground, like if I could, if I can teach a 12 year old how to shoot, I can teach an NBA player. You know, if I yeah. can't teach a 12 year old, I probably can't teach an NBA player. The reality is like the, the the simplicity of explanation in terms of the mechanics has to be easy for a 12-year-old so that an NBA player is willing to say, I'm willing to forego what I know mm-hmm. and abandon what I've taught and listen to you. It has to be that simple and that clear. If it's not, he's not going to trust me. Mm-hmm. Even, if, even if I'm a great shooter, but I can't communicate that yeah. clearly in a way that is obvious where I'm in his head before he gets to those moments, like I do that now. That's how I got Paul George, Chris Middleton, Kyle Korver, Reggie, like all these NBA players to buy. Because I could get into their head before they got to those points. And I would say, okay, right now you're going to feel this. Uh-huh. Because I know well, I did it. I yeah. know. I wasn't a great shooter in high school. I became one. You know, I wasn't born one year. Nobody's born a good shooter. Good hand-eye coordination is great, but I wasn't a great shooter. And I, became, I built myself into one. So I knew what they were doing. Ahead of time, so I went from little kids and, and maintained doing that. Got in with Andre Iguodala, did Dwayne Wade, and then it started to build. Reggie mm-hmm. Jackson and Paul George, and then just more guys started coming. Okafor and Luka Doncic has now been with me for four years, and so you start landing good, good, good players, and now you realize Drew Holiday, you know, probably one of my favorite people on earth. Like you learn how to talk to a guy who's a superstar, and and can your message. Can you communicate your message, convey your message to help not only a 12-year-old kid but a superstar become better? Yeah. How do you make those guys better? So shooting became the niche. It turned into more because obviously that wasn't what I was doing in Europe. I was doing more pick and rolls and driving kicks and more more complete skill sets. So it became more ball handling and mm-hmm. passing and reading and understanding defenses and the seven levels of a pick and roll and how to develop those issues. So it gets deeper and deeper and deeper as we go. But the only the superstars – only a superstar can can understand those things because I can't tell a twelve year old that. Yeah, you can say I'm going to shoot it, or I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> yeah, like, that's his only option. But you know, Drew Holiday is going to say, okay, there's seven options here in this pick and roll. How are we going to figure this out? And I can help him navigate that because I had to do it. So that's where it's gone to now. That's really cool. So what's it like now sitting on an NBA bench? Mm-hmm. You know, you went with the Pelicans the last few years yep. and and helping kind of more more of the team. What's you've been enjoying that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're learning the NBA game and kind of what what would my system be, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm trying to put those pieces in place so that I can become a head coach. Hopefully, someday get that opportunity. Just need to get interviewed and see where I can. F- I need to fail, yeah. You know, in some <laughs> interviews, I need to fail at some some you know applications, you know. And so um, uh, I'm studying under a great guy who really knows his stuff, Chris Finch. Um, I've studied under Phil Jackson. We ran John Wooden's offense. That's why he came to our practices in college. So I've, I learned a ton from him. So I know the UCLA. I know I know a number of offenses really well. And now it's just kind of figure out what I would do. Yeah. So you're seeing the game. You know, 82 games is a lot of games. So you do that for a couple of years. You see how the game flow, how it works, what would what would and what wouldn't work. So you're just trying to put all that together. So hopefully I'll 
get the opportunity to do that. Um, there's a book to be written about that too. There's a lot of information mm. um, that you're trying to uh, chop down to, yeah. to, to, and then simply say, I need you to turn the corner on the next play. You know, like it was what, what came through that filter is just yeah. a ton of information and you're doing it in, in session. So now with Drew, I, I speak, you know, Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis sit right in front of me and I, and I just personally coach them. You should do this. Every time they touch the ball, I have a comment. So when you do this, you should have done this. You should have done that. What did you have me do there? What do you think about this? Like, so we're in game making adjustments. Reverse pivot on the catch. Don't don't front pivot. Front pivot on him. Go right. He's forcing you left. Break through his over arm. Get to a step back. Drew, you know, get to more step backs tonight. There's too many guys crowding the paint. Mm-hmm. Get off the ball early. Play on your second touch. You know, AD, you got to pe- kick out, repost, get to your fadeaways. So there's there's always new information coming. Yeah, at a deeper level. That now that the relationship is built close and, mm-hmm. and tight I can have a, a direct influence on the game and they're so good they really yeah. don't need me but it's nice to to be able to say you know hey think about doing this and other times they look at me and go what should I do just dribble right at him has he shoot that three got it yeah. you know and so they're so yeah. good they can do that yeah you know so that's it's really fun. a tribute to that and I know you enjoy that yeah that's oh, yeah, yeah. just it. breaking down that game and it's it's fun I think people don't they they sit and watch you know they love basketball. They they might understand some stuff. And when you when I hear you talk and breaking it down, mm-hmm. you know like that, uh, how deep the game goes and and what these guys are thinking about on mm-hmm. on on the court. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you're the Pelicans general manager now. Ooh. You have you have the first pick. Oh boy, I don't want that job. <laughs> I'm glad it's somebody else. Who who are you taking this year? Um, I mean Zion. It depends on what happens with Anthony Davis. You know, I mean if I'm. If I'm sitting in that chair, I got to know what he wants to do, and if he wants to stick around, great. Then we'll that may uh, that may change what you do with that pick. Maybe you trade to get more guys, get maybe some more veterans. Maybe we try to get another All Star with that. Maybe we keep it and we try to build it around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Morant's a phenomenal player. Yeah, I mean, so you got some RJ Barrett's a really good player. You got you got some guys there that the league is turning to a more skilled league. It's not a super athlete league. Mm-hmm. It's a super skilled league. So, do you take into consideration those guys? I'm glad it's not my decision. I don't know what I would do, but I can only imagine they're probably fielding thousands of, of phone calls from teams with different proposals on how can we get the. Yeah. We have the two most wanted players in the NBA right now. We have Anthony Davis and we have Zion Williamson. Like that, that's yeah. what we have. Yeah. So, everybody's going to want to get those guys. So, yeah. why not? I, I can only imagine that phone's probably ringing off the hook. Yeah. So I'm glad it's not me. I'm just, <laughs> look, all I know is I'm glad we have Drew Holiday for sure next year. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. That's funny. Okay. So I know you have, uh, you got a couple boys playing ball. Mm-hmm. They still listen to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've tried not to be the guy who, like I told them all along, you guys can do whatever you want. I'm going to support and love. If you don't play basketball, then that's fine. Yeah, that's and great. And when you do play... I'm gonna I'm gonna clap and cheer, and when you make mistakes, I'm gonna give you a hug. So, yeah. not not interested in being the guy like that was barking orders at them. I said, if you want to know something from me, mm-hmm. you know I've done this my whole life. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of trial and error and pain mm-hmm. that I've gone through to get to what I know. If you want to know, just ask me. Yeah. So now the relationship is a good one. You know where I, yeah. it never was bad. It just. Now they want to know more. They want to understand more. So that the the relationship is really good. Yeah, that's great. So if you're your your uh, oldest is how old? He's 17, 18. Se- 18 and your middle? 16. 16. So if you're 18, who wins in a shooting contest? Between me and him? Yeah. Well, I don't miss. So When you're 18? 
No, not now. Oh, at 18? Oh, 18. He beats, oh, he beats me. Beat if you. I'm 18? Yeah. And he's 18? Oh, he beats me. Okay. He beats but me easily. I wasn't yeah. that good. I know Ty 16 year old for sure. He's better than both of them. He's probably okay. better than Ty and me. That's fine. At 18? No. I was not. I was more of a point guard. I wasn't a good shooter at all. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Take us back. Before the 112 straight threes at Masters. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I know the, the answer to this, but who was who the biggest influence? Uh, not just spiritually or basketball, yeah. but, but in your life. Biggest influence in my life, yeah, probably my father. Yeah. Until I was twenty until he passed away. So, yeah. Yeah. How, so how do you deal with um, you know, traveling now with your schedule? Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And you got three kids at home and yeah, you know, get they're getting older. So I, yeah. I know that is important to you as a father and, and a husband to be there. So what mm-hmm. I know that I know you wrestle with that. How do you how do you Yeah, thank God for FaceTime. I mean, um, my kids and I talk more when I'm away than I'm when I'm home. Because they can call me at any time. So I'm yeah. I'm always available to them. My wife and I, we, we talk every day, FaceTime. I mean, it's, it's a running conversation. There's never a time we set. We just continue to, to do it, and I use FaceTime. So that's, that's how we do it, and um, it's, const- it's work to communicate. You know, it's work to keep a relationship. It's work to make it better. It's not um, something that just evolves into something good. We're fallen and, and selfish, and so we'll, we'll go our separate ways, but we have to work to maintain it. So... The truth about our relationship is that she's the key. It's like mm. she's amazing. So I couldn't do what I do without my amazing yeah. wife. That's so. awesome. That's awesome. All right. So we like to do something on the show. Mm-hmm. We do a little rapid fire. Dope. Okay. So uh, <laughs> this may be tough for me. <laughs> I'll keep it to one word answer. All right. We'll do we'll do slow fire. Okay. Okay. If you didn't uh, play basketball, what sport would you play? Baseball. Uh, most memorable shot you've ever made. Um. Probably in Europe, game winner uh, against the number one team in Europe from about thirty feet. I just I, I just held the ball for ten seconds and hezied from about thirty feet. It was it was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. Nice launch yeah. it. Okay, what's the uh, the shot that still haunts you that you missed? Uh, free throw to win the game in in Berlin in the championships. I missed it. The guy got the rebound and made a three quarters court shot to tie the game. So if I'd made it, that would have been a four point. Yeah. We would have won. I missed the free throw. I was shot 91% that year. And I missed the free throw. And he made the three quarters court shot and they beat us in overtime. Wow. So I'll never forget that one. Yeah. That's a fresh wound still. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. What's your favorite thing to do on on an off day? Golf. All right. I figured. Uh, Who's your favorite all-time basketball player? Oh, Michael Jordan. Yeah. Okay. Who, in the last 20 years since you broke in the league... Who do you feel like has been the most dominant player that you played with or, or, or been around? Shaq. Yeah. No question. Nobody could guard Shaq. Nobody. Never. And I saw Sabonis, 350 pounds. You know, there were, there were big Tim Duncan, David Robinson. He mowed through Divots. He mowed through all these guys. Every single one of those guys he destroyed. Tell us about, was it, uh, I don't know, the, the Western Conference Finals? Mm-hmm. You guys finally lost the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we won. The, we won in the finals. We lost in the finals. Yeah, to Philadelphia. And then and then Shaq comes back. Yeah. What was, yeah. What was his attitude? I mean, he averaged like forty and twenty. Yeah. After that, and he but, just took over. Yeah, he just said, just throw me the ball. Like he, we we played against. <laughs> here's a good story. We played against um, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And he said in the in the timeout to us, just throw me the ball. I'm scoring every time. And every time he scored. 
he called David Robinson a name every time, and he dunked it four times in a row in the first quarter. Like there was literally nothing he you could do to stop him. So, yeah, he destroyed Mutombo. Yeah, I mean these are seven foot guys that are two hundred fifty three hundred pounds. Yeah, he just embarrassed them. So. Wow. All right, favorite city you uh, lived in while you're playing overseas? Oh, Napoli, Naples. Mm. Love it. I speak. You'll probably bene italiano sempre. Most definitely. Yeah, I miss it. I miss Italy. Yeah, I still dream in Italian. Really? Yeah, I speak it fluently. I was there seven years. So. Okay. Naples was. You guys been back since you stopped playing? Uh, no, I haven't been back. I'm looking forward to going back though. Cool. Uh, favorite golf course you ever played? Um, favorite golf is Koalau. I think that's in um, in Hawaii. I think it's called Koalau. It was one of the hardest courses I ever played. Anything off the fairway went into the jungle. It was like <laughs> jungle. It was like yeah. built into like a volcano, and every shot you hit, you could see off the volcano mountain. It was wow. absolutely beautiful. Played with the Lakers in training camp. Okay. It was fun. Favorite course you want to play that you haven't? Yeah, Pebble Beach for sure. All right. Definitely. All right. Can I come? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so current day, Pelican, Pelicans. Who's your favorite player to coach? Drew Holiday. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's like a superhero. He's like a cartoon. You know, his body. He can do anything you want. Like his body can. He can move and jump and he, like anything I tell him to do, he can do. So I feel like I'm like playing a video game. Right? He's, <laughs> he's amazing. Amazing uh, person. One player that you really felt like you had a huge impact on helping them like develop their game, their, their, uh, you know, Paul, their George, Paul George, for sure. About six years, six summers with him. Nice. Yeah. Um, why the bow tie? I like it, yeah. but we want to know. Uh, the story behind it is um, I was I, in Minnesota. I was um, getting ready to get dressed, and Flip Saunders says, hey, you know, you're kind of the professor of our team. Like, guys go to you for questions and you have answers. Why don't you, you're kind of the professor. And I was like, all right, I'll try to figure out how do I work that. I got to address it. And he goes, <laughs> how about you wear a bow tie? I mean, Flip Saunders was amazing. He was an amazing man. And he goes, put a bow tie on. So I wore a bow tie the first day. And he was like, yeah, there you go. And his son, Ryan, now new head coach, was like, oh, the professor. So he was... He was the one that kind of coined that name, but not the professor as you're in our, you know, our friend, the professor, but in a different light was because the players would always be like, hey, Mike, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? Mm -hmm. So I was kind of the how-to guy. And I still am with our team. So that, that's, that was kind of my role. So that was how it became, hey, it's the professor. And now then we won our first preseason game. Of course, we only won like 14 games that year. <laughs> it was a horrible year. And I was like, I'm not sure this is working. He's like, you got to wear one every game now. So... I ended up having to buy, you know, more bow ties, and then people started sending them to me. So oh, I started nice. to get. So I ended up having like eighty bow ties. Mike Penberthy, the basketball guy. That's right. That's right. Bill that Nye. Bill yeah, Nye. You, need your, you need your own show. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. Uh, so, as a coach, as an athlete, like you, you really dealt in in both of those both of those spaces. What would you tell somebody in that space? Uh, that's listening and watching about how you've connected God to your game, and we spoke on it a little bit. But what would be what would be some advice, some encouragement that that you would you would want to give somebody in that space trying to own their faith mm -hmm. within their game? You know, as as difficult as that is, even obviously mm -hmm. on the NBA level, but even on a high school level. Yeah, I think as in order to grow closer to God, in order to improve and grow at anything. It takes work and a lot of work. 
So, um, hard work in basketball, hard work in your in your spiritual life, hard work in your relationships. Like it takes work, and and in that is pain, in that is suffering, in that is growth, and it's a cycle that continues to grow throughout your life. So. If you want to grow closer to God through basketball, you have to work at both God and basketball. Mm -hmm. And then they merge. And where they merge in your life, you find, you know, new revelations of both, you know. So um, I think that's with any sport. It just takes work. It takes sacrifice. It takes discipline. It takes effort. It takes pain. It takes soreness. It takes growth. It takes work. It takes effort. It just keeps going, you know. And um, your spiritual life is, is, is exactly the same way. And, and like I said before, Jesus Christ's example is, is the way to see it. Dives in with people, lives a hard life, loves others, dies, yeah. and then comes back to life. Like there's a cycle there that happens again. And so I believe it's the same with us. And I think that's how God set it up. Um, but it takes um, it takes a ton of work and and, a, and being willing to go through difficult times, knowing that God is in control. Being willing to work at your game, knowing that you're going to come out on your side as a better player, even though you may suck or stink mm -hmm. <laughs> for a while, but knowing you're going to get better and pushing through that, I think I think that's part of how how God put it together. Yeah, that's good. I think we we got to work at it, mm -hmm. you know. And and the eternity sports is a big big part of what we want to do is that mm -hmm. give people a platform to learn to glean from someone that's that's been through there. Uh, and obviously, been able to to find to find success, and and I, I would encourage people find somebody to help alongside. Yeah. I mean, we should be helping people along the way, um, but we need to make sure that we are being fed. You know, whether it's podcast, being in church, another another believer on your team, you guys are you guys are in that together. Uh, I think doing that alone can be hard. Um, I walked through that alone for a while when I had first mm -hmm. found the Lord, and and mm -hmm. finding a way with your sport coaching playing whatever that is but i think that that word work yeah. in other words you you really were, were hitting on with sacrifice those are those are real valuable things for us to to not forget mm -hmm. you know because we can get caught up in the ah the way i'm feeling right and we forget about up here and the things that we know and the promises of god mm -hmm. so that, that that's really good mm -hmm. all right as we wrap mm -hmm. uh we'd like to ask everybody to turn us on to somebody you know that's uh that's playing for eternity that's a professional athlete, mm -hmm. and uh, that we can have on the show. Who you got for us? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to talk to. Uh, I think Aaron Baddeley's a, a guy I'll call. Okay. PJ Tour, 20, yeah. 20 years on the tour, so. Yeah. Um, there's a number of other guys, but I'm gonna talk to Aaron. See okay. If can, see if he can get on board with you guys. That'd be good. We love we love to have him. Yeah. And I know uh, I know you got a big golf tournament coming up. Yeah. <laughs> good luck to it. We're we're recording this in the off season, mm -hmm. so you're not skipping practice. You're no. uh, Mike. Mike can hit the ball a ton. <laughs> he's 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 an amazing uh, amazing athlete. Amazing athlete. I appreciate you sharing today, being on the show, just letting people see. You know, I know everyone wants to talk basketball and mm -hmm. Shaq and Kobe and mm -hmm. Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday, but I think uh, you run so much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, guys look at you, and I think they see uh, the authenticity, mm -hmm. and I think they, they see a guy who loves the Lord and, and they want to be around. And, and I want to keep keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. Yeah. That. All right, you bet. <laughs> Thanks for listening. 
To find out more about Eternity Sports or to join the challenge of putting God first in your game, visit us at eternitysports.com.